elections. They're the foundation of American democracy. Every two years or so, society is overcome with media, advertisements, and conversations about getting out the vote. That vote leads to an elected official, and that elected official leads to governing. On this show and on all of State Scoop's podcasts, we talk about governing. We talk about how technology gets implemented in governments, state and local, and more. But another common theme of State Scoop's coverage is that none of that can happen in an effective manner without buy-in from elected officials. So that's where the elections come in. Back to getting out the vote, people need to know where to vote, when to vote, and who they are voting for based on where they live. And all of that hinges on location. This is GIS Address. Welcome to GIS Address, here for its second season on the Scoop News Group Podcast Network. On this show, we talk about geographic information systems, basically digital maps, and so much more, and dive into how they work, why they're important, and how they fit into the government technology landscape. This podcast was created and has been organized in collaboration with the National States Geographic Information Council, commonly referred to as NISGIC. On today's episode, we're talking about Geo-Enabled Election, a new project from the folks over at NISGIC that works to integrate GIS into election systems across the country to strengthen elections management and citizen engagement. Joining us today, we have three guests to explain all there is to know about this project. First up, we have Tammy Patrick. She's a senior advisor for the Democracy Fund. Tammy, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Also joining us, we have a GIS addressed veteran. You can hear his thoughts on season one. Burke Granberg, thanks for being with us today. Hey, Jake. Can't wait. And finally, the Geo-Enabled Elections Project Manager for NISJIC, Jamie Chesser, is here with us today. Jamie, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure, Jake. Thank you. So everyone here, let's let's dive in with our first question. Jamie, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, why don't you tell me about the Geo-Enabled Elections Project? How did it get started, and, and what do you aim to achieve? Thanks for the question. Um, the Geo-Enabled Elections Project began in the fall of 2017, and um, you know the, the organization that is managing the project is NISGIC, National States Geographic Information Council, and we are underwritten by the generous um, funding from Democracy Fund Voice. And the goal of the project is to, you know, kind of what you said in your, your intro here with elections, to boost voter confidence, to make um, review of election data um, easier for elected officials, and to avoid location errors. That's the gist of the project, and we're bringing to the table folks in academia, the GIO of the state and GIS officials, the state election directors, nonprofits and federal agencies, all together to to be a part of the project and to make this a reality. Tammy, uh, let's go to you here. How did you get involved in this project, and and really what do you aim to get done through Geo-Enabled Elections? Yeah, thanks for the question. So Democracy Fund and Democracy Fund Voice is a private foundation, and we invest in projects and organizations that are really working to ensure that our political system Um, withstands all the new challenges that we currently face and delivers on its promise to the American people. So working on something as foundational as the political districts and voting precincts that um, are the foundation of our democratic system and the electoral process was something that we were really interested in at Democracy Fund Voice. My my involvement in the project really stems from my former work as a local election official in Maricopa County, Arizona, 
where we relied very heavily on GIS and um, the rich, robust information that you can gather when you have those layers in place to be able to inform um, administrative and policy decisions. So when I realized at my work on the national level that not all election officials have these sorts of tools available at their disposal, it really um, showed that there was a big gap and a void that needed to be filled. And so Democracy Fund Voice reached out to, um, to Jamie and to Molly at NISJIC to find out what we could do to help inform providing those types of tools to, um, to election administrators. And I think that one of the big um, points that I would want to draw on the importance of this, you mentioned getting buy-in from elected officials. And that's one of the challenges is making sure that our legislators, um, our state you know, officials, whether it's a secretary of state or a governing board, as well as local officials that are elected, understand how critical it is that we make sure our voters are in the right districts and the district's uh, boundaries are, are apt appropriately um, reflected. Bert, your turn here. T tell us about your interest in the project and really how you aim to help achieve this very bold vision that we've set out. Thanks, Jake. I would like to say that this is just, you know, a passing interest of mine, um, but really how I got involved in this was working with the elections office here in Utah as they made the um, transition to new districts and new precincts um, and that happens every 10 years in every state in the country um, right after the, the census and the redistricting process. So in, in 2011, 2012, um, I worked extensively with our elections director um, and the staff in, in the elections office to transition their voter registration database to use uh, GIS to map precinct boundaries, but also to locate voter addresses and establish geographic coordinates for, for every voter in the state. And um, I did that in the capacity uh, in my previous job working for the state of Utah's GIS office, um, which goes by the acronym AGRC. So, um, you know, basically it was uh, sort of a, a, um, involvement of necessity and, and uh, playing a supporting role and trying to figure, figure out how best to make that transition. And at the time, we didn't um, really have an understanding for who else had done this in the country. Um, and um, as we sort of went through the process and then, and then later looked at what we'd done and reached out to others, we discovered that, and, and I think this is still true, that Utah was the first state to make the transition from um, a traditional database of voter registration records to uh, a GIS-supported um, elections database. So when we talk about the project, when we talk about this initiative, obviously there are, are some challenges and some opportunities here. So, so Tammy, from your perspective at the Democracy Fund, what are some of the main challenges to the success of this project, and, and how do you and how does the project overall overcome them? Yeah, I think that when we consider the challenges, any time that you have an endeavor that necessitates multiple elected officials, whether it's a governor's office and a CIO, um, whether it's a secretary of state and their IT staff, or in fact local election officials um, that are perhaps elected themselves, 
they all have defined statutory uh, authority over certain parts of redistricting, districting, and placement of voters, and making sure that everyone is playing nicely, as we say, in the, in the sandbox um, can be a bit of a challenge because there are questions over whose role and responsibility um, perhaps certain functions um, can be, and then also you want to make sure that no one's overstepping any of their bounds sprinkle in a little bit of political, perhaps, tensions and, and discord, and it makes for a pretty ripe uh, situation for things not to go well. Um, that's where I think that the more ingrained you can um, structure things like the drawing of districts, the placement of voters in a way that's rooted in sound GIS um, protocols is a way of, of negating some of the manual um, and perhaps administrative functions that can, um, can perhaps um, create a more, even more challenging situation. What I mean by that is that currently there are so many states that have it set up so that statutorily defined it says that a local election official will create districts or take districts that are um, defined by meets and bounds and place voters in those precincts or in those districts. Yet we know that the legislatures in almost every single state and independent redistricting commissions are using GIS to create the districts themselves. And so oftentimes they're using these tools to create districts and then converting them back to this more archaic um, system and sending it down to local election officials who are then manually having to place voters into districts. We don't need to look far in the headlines um, in the last year uh, to see where this can be problematic. Um, when you're looking at street segments that are even numbered are one district and odd numbered are another, you can have officials that you know make a mistake and then ascribe all of those people to a single voting precinct. And so you have individuals getting ballots and voting for representation that doesn't really reflect where they live. And that can, of course, be um, a problem in many, many ways and create all sorts of, of issues excuse me, downstream. So I think that the challenges are, are multifaceted. There are challenges in getting resources for states to adopt this. And that's one of the things I think was so brilliant with the way this project was created was that first, um, it was tapping into what resources are available um, at the state level in the GIS departments and how much those offices are in fact coordinating or working with their election officials. And I think um, what was found is that there are many places where that communication and those relationships are strong and robust, and in other places they are, we'll just say, areas of opportunity. Bert, what about from your perspective? What are some of the main challenges that, that you see to the success of this project, and, and how are you working to help overcome them? Um, after the work we did in Utah, um, I mentioned we you know, kind of asked around. I talked to some other um, geographic information officers in other states and pretty much ascertained that no one had really been down this path. And I think that that's the main reason why this project makes sense is, is uh, using GIS to administer an elections um, database of voter locations and all the boundaries, it just makes good common sense. Um, you know, if I were to ask you, Jake, you know, how do you expect that that all this information um, that determines, um, you know, who gets what ballot is managed? Uh, my guess is that you would think that there was a map involved. <laughs> 
and going back in time, you know, I mean, I think originally, you know, election offices had a big map on the wall and there were push pins potentially for where people lived and, you know, magic markers drawing all the boundaries. And, and GIS really gives us the ability to, to do that, but to do it on a large scale. Making this transition to a GIS-enabled elections database um, has a number of challenges. And I think the first one is just having the interest um, from all of the uh, folks, the stakeholders involved um, to make the transition. Um, and in Utah, our uh, interest, I think, at some level was, was ramped up a little bit by um, a state legislator who was found to not be living in his district um, and lost his, had to resign his seat. And that was all, that all tracked back to how boundaries uh, were managed and communicated. Um, and, you know, so having that interest, having a motivation to think about how you might improve the process um, of managing election information. I think that that's a challenge. Um, Tammy mentioned resources and having, um, you know, either the time or the, the funding necessary to, to take a look at this, evaluate it, and figure out um, a plan forward for making the transition. That's a challenge. Um, and then the, the last one I would mention is that um, different states in the U.S. have different levels of GIS capabilities. And I think that there is an approach to enabling an elections database with GIS for, for every sort of level of GIS maturity that's out there. Um, but different states are going to do it differently. And I think that the project, um, to be successful, has to uh, help states to discover the right approach um, and strategy for making that transition. And and each of those is going to be different. Jamie, let's let's go to you here. You know, as you manage this project for NISJIC, what are what are some of these key challenges that you're finding along the way, and how are you and the NISJIC team and and the group of folks that you have coming together to work on this project? How are you guys overcoming these hurdles? Yeah, thanks for the question, Jake. Um, <clears throat> before I get into some of the challenges, I first want to say how incredibly energized and motivated I am by the response of both the GIO community as well as in our membership at NISJIC and also the election official, election director, you know, that community, their willingness to talk and to communicate with our group and our project team and really, you know, dive right in. Um, we've seen a wonderful response to our surveys and our call for interviews and um, just a willingness to participate. So I am motivated and energized by that, um, and I, I just am overwhelmed by the um, you know, participation of these different groups. Um, in terms of the challenges for the project, we have a really busy year ahead of us. We're um, in our second year of our grant, and, um, you know, last year I think um, some of our challenges as a project team were, you know, making that um, leap into the election world, developing those relationships and those connections, um, developing trust with the, the different stakeholder groups, 
um, you know, introducing folks and, and just making those important connections. Um, this year, I see um, some of the big challenges for the project being um, time, fitting everything in. <laughs> Um, but in terms of, you know, a willingness for people to be involved, there's a thirst out there for this. And we're in the middle right now of um, assessing some interviews that the project did um, the end of last year from August to November. We um, interviewed nearly half of the state election directors in the United States. And when you, when you ask um, these folks, you know, if they have a voter registration system that supports geospatial information and objects, the, the majority do not. Um, when you ask them if they know about GIS, they do, and typically many of them have um, access to GIS professionals um, in their county, in their locale, um, on their team sometimes. But overwhelmingly, um, they know about it and they understand the importance of integrating it with the election data management system. And so I'm really encouraged by that. I think that um, the excitement and the motivation of the, the project team and also those that are participating is, is great. And um, we're going to power through um, this grant year too. Um, and at the end of the grant um, year, have a really solid set of best practices um, that we will be able to share with the community um, to help to integrate GIS within elections. So, Jamie, you did a you did a great job there at, at queuing up my next question for you. And so, so for that reason, I'm going to go right back to you. This is our last question of the episode for all of you. Where does geo-enabled elections go from here? Again, you alluded to that in your last question, but, but taking it one step further, where does geo-enabled elections go from here? And, and how can this effort really change elections as we know them? A couple thoughts on this. Um, first, we, at the end of October, released our first year report um, for the project. And we did share within that report some areas where we feel um, geo-enabled elections can go in the future. The idea of training, so um, training those folks that manage election systems and data, training them on geographic information systems. We feel that that's crucial. Um, in addition, we also feel um, that we want to um, do more pilot projects and begin to implement geo-enabled elections beyond um, our pilot projects. So in this second grant year, we will have five pilot projects. Those states are um, being determined right now. But in, that, in the next phase, we would love to expand that pilot program and begin this implementation um, in a, on a wider scale. And then last but not least, um, we also feel um, there's a, uh, a large push right now um, within the United States for risk-limiting audits. And I'm sure the audience that is listening to this podcast has, has heard of that. Um, we feel, as a project team, that when you use GIS spatial data, that there needs to be some sort of check and balance in place to make sure that that data is accurate. 
so there is a place for audits on your geographic data as well. So those three areas we feel um, are you know, kind of the future, if you will, of geo-enabled elections. Um, and that's where we see um, this, this concept moving. And Bert, let's go back to you. you know, where do you see this project going from here? You know, one of the key areas of the project is building a set of best practices and an awareness of those best practices. And you know, I can kind of simplify that and say it's really all about, in each state, building a statewide map of precinct boundaries and keeping that current as things like city boundaries change um, or, um, you know, counties just ha have other uh, needs to maybe split precincts based on population growth. Um, the other piece of that best practice is a way, a strategy to manage um, locating addresses in geographic space. Um, so, you know, election databases have always had addresses. Humans, that's how humans best relate to locations on the earth. Um, but machines, uh, computers, work best in geographic coordinates. And being able to translate between addresses and geographic coordinates is an essential need for geo-enabling an elections system. So, you know, that statewide precinct layer built in coordination with local government and, and sustained as things change, and then that ability to find um, geographic coordinates for addresses, those are really the two main areas of best practice. Um, and in both cases, um, there is an opportunity to co cooperate with um, other state agencies, um, definitely with local government um, and GIS professionals uh, around the state. So um, I think that that's the main area um, where we can make a difference is helping folks to understand those best practice areas um, and evaluate sort of the opportunities in their state and to make a plan going forward for um, how they would make the transition to a GIS-enabled election. And, and finally, Tammy, your take here, where is geo-enabled elections headed? How can this effort change elections into the future? Yeah, so it's, uh, the future is bright, I think, with geo-enabled elections, uh, partially because you have so many dedicated groups and organizations that realize the benefit of moving down this path. Um, you know, Bert's absolutely right. Utah was the first state that did it statewide, and we now have about a handful or so um, that have made that move. And many states are using it in their redistricting process or in their districting process. Others um, have taken the first step of using it to audit their district boundaries. Um, and as states are moving and modernizing their voter registration um, election management systems, they are including things like ensuring that it's, it's geo-enabled in their requests for purchases and their RFPs. I think for Democracy Fund and Democracy Fund Voice, we seek to continue to support projects and efforts that understand the foundational impact that GIS um, has on our de democratic process. So we are working and 
tying um, NISJIC and, and the, the Geo-Enabled Elections Project in with some of our other grantees like um, the good folks at the National Conference of State Legislators to make sure that as they talk about redistricting that they think about things like GIS and making sure that legislators are aware of the need to update and modernize some of their statutory requirements when it comes to things like um, the way in which the districts are represented and passed down to um, the, the more localized government entities. We know that um, some of our other grantees that are providing trainings um, and webinars and support for local election officials are including things like GIS into their training modules to make sure that everyone understands um, not only how it functions, but how they can utilize it in so many ways um, within their elections office. So it's not just a tool to place voters in the correct district, which I would say is pretty, pretty important, but it's also a way of reviewing where people are casting their ballots if you have vote centers or where people are going to um, an early voting location. It's a way of really understanding the voting behavior um, in, a, in a visual way that can be very, very impactful and helpful in election administrative decisions. So I would think that we are at a, a real juncture right now. Um, Bert had mentioned that we have uh, the census coming up. Um, if we want to impact and be um, as, as um, have as powerful of as an, as an impact as, as possible, we need to make sure that as many states as we can adopt the geo-enabled election um, kind of project and best practices prior to the next census so that the, otherwise we're going to have to wait another decade really to, um, to be able to have the same sort of impact on, um, on the layers of government around the country. Jake, I've got one anecdote that I wanted to share um, just in closing. I mentioned the work that we'd done in Utah and, and then also th this project, um, the NISJIC uh, and Democracy Fund Voice Geo-Elections Project to my parents who are now in their 70s. And uh, they, they thought it was, it was really interesting and they both started almost laughing. And um, they then told the story about how um, you know, in this, I think it was in the early 80s, uh, despite the fact they lived in the same house, they both were in different precincts and they went to had to go to different polling uh, locations to vote. <laughs> and, you know, this project is really about getting the right ballot to the right voter and making sure that, that our democracy functions as it should and as it's expected to. Um, and, you know, this is just one element to all of um, the ingredients to having successful um, elections. But I think it's something that that's time has come, and um, I think the path forward to to implement um, GIS into the election systems to deal with more than just polling place locations, but things like vote by mail and and the voting centers that Tammy mentioned. I, I just I think it's it's ripe and the timing's good, and I look forward to seeing um, other states um, added to the implementation list. Tammy, Bert, Jamie, uh, unfortunately, that's all the time that we have today on GIS Address, but thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you, Jake. Thanks so much for having me, Jake. And that is that. I'm Jake Williams, StateScoop's Associate Publisher and Director of Strategic Initiatives. Be sure to tune in next time for another episode of GIS Addressed. <laughs>